0: If you have a true scary story you would like to hear featured on this podcast, please, go to AsTheRavenDreams.com and click the button to send it my way. Also, consider rating this podcast on whatever platform you're listening to, as it does help. And of course, thank you. I must have been around five years old when this happened, still cocooned in the world of childhood innocence and endless curiosity. My father passed away in a car accident shortly after my third birthday. He was struck by a drunk driver in the early afternoon while he went to pick up McDonald's for our lunch. The other driver was a 30-something-year-old man that had apparently passed his Saturday morning staring at the inside of a 40-ounce, and then decided that he wanted to go too fast down a main road. My dad apparently pulled out of the parking lot thinking that he was just bringing my mom and I some chicken nuggets when that man came over the hill. My dad didn't see him, and he wasn't cognizant enough to avoid my dad, and, well... That's how my father lost his life. It may not be relevant, and I know McDonald's had nothing to do with it, but I can't even look at the Golden Arches logo without feeling this sharp wave of depression wash over me. Obviously, at this time, I didn't understand, but being an adult now, this kind of thing really weighs heavy on your mind. That incredibly depressing intro to this story is to simply say that... My father has been gone since I was three, and this event took place around two years later. In those two years, my father's absence was this strange fact of life that was largely abstract to me. Growing up, my mother would tell me these stories about him, how he loved to fish, how he was quite the jokester, and how he loved me with all of his heart. Being the age I was, I don't think I had any detailed memories of how my father looked or how his voice sounded. And all the visuals that I had of him were from photographs. However, no photograph or secondhand story could have ever prepared me for this encounter that would have a profound impact on me. It was around Christmas. I remember that night it had snowed, and my mom was worried because our house seemed to lose power any time that it snowed or rained heavily. I remember her putting me to bed. I remember her telling me that she loved me, and that Daddy would watch over me and keep me safe, like she did every night. But for some reason, this night felt different. It felt heavier. It felt more energetic. She put me to bed and shut my door, but I didn't want to go to sleep. I wanted to get up and do something. I didn't know what. I just remember having this undying amount of energy that was built up in my little body. After playing with my trucks in the dim light of my little plug-in nightlight, I remember sitting there and staring at the shadows on the wall, just thinking about nothing. Like I said, I was five, and this is probably my first core memory, so I'm pretty sure I was just blankly staring at how the light cast the shadows of my little trucks onto the white walls, and probably just chuckling at how spooky it was to me. But then, as I was staring at the shadows, I remember looking toward my door and seeing a figure standing in the corner of the room. This silhouette had an aura that was completely familiar to me. I wasn't afraid of it at all. Instead, curiosity tugged at me and told me that I didn't need to be scared. I remember in complete and vivid detail looking up at this tall, kind-faced man with a beard growing from his chin and thinking, that's my dad. This wasn't some sort of visual hallucination, I'm sure of that. This was like a living, breathing entity that was my father. His smile was radiant, his eyes were filled with tears, and I could tell that he was watching me and smiling. Then I heard his voice. He said, Hey kiddo, I know this might be confusing to you, but I wanted to stop by and see you now that you're a little older. I remember that after that, we talked about everything and nothing in particular. The conversation that ensued is hard to put into words, it, it was like it wasn't spoken, but just communicated between the two of us, like some kind of conscious dream. It felt real, more real than anything else I can remember from those years. I remember him telling me that he loved how curious I was, and that I was going to be such a smart boy. I think I told him about my trucks. I was really into the trucks at the time. I remember him smiling and laughing each time I explained which truck was which and what their purposes were. After a while, the conversation wound down and he gave me one last comforting smile and then spoke his last words to me. Words that I can play in my head as clearly as how I heard them that night. He said, I'm sorry that I have to go again, but I hope you'll always remember how much I love you. I'll always be with you. Okay? I remember nodding at him and smiling back, saying, Okay, or thank you. And with that, he was completely gone. And I was once again alone in my bedroom. That conversation it left a lingering sense of peace and understanding that, even at five, resonated with me. Even now, after all these years, the memory of that night is crystal clear in my mind. Some might say it was nothing more than a dream or just something created by my imagination, but I am convinced of the reality of that encounter. The spirit of my father came to visit me that night, to have that last conversation with his son, and to impart that sense of peace that has stayed with me ever since. It's a night that I've kept close to my heart, a reminder that my father never really left me, that he'll always be there to guide me. I believe with every fiber of my being that my father is with me, guiding me, and he's been that silent hand that has pushed me to be the man that I am today. I've got a plethora of high school memories. Some great, some terrible, but there was one memory that has always stuck with me because of how different it could have gone. In one of my classes, I was paired with someone during an assignment that I don't normally associate with. I gave a quick grimace to my friend in the class, wanting to be able to choose who I was paired with, of course, But then moved over to the seat next to my new partner. Let's call her Kayla. I'm gonna try to make this short, but I just wanted to give a little backstory on Kayla and I that led up to the incident this story is about. I didn't have any problems with Kayla, as I didn't really even know her. I also can't really recall her hanging out or talking with anyone else. She usually kept to herself. She went to classes on time, packed up right before the bell rang, but never earlier, not even in the last period. She rode her bike to and from school, and during lunch, she usually sat on the window ledge, closest to the entrance. Sometimes I saw a girl sitting with her at lunch or talking with her in the hallways, but that was it, at least for most of the interactions that she had. She didn't really do anything odd in class either, so as harsh as this is going to sound, she kind of just blended in with everyone else that I didn't associate with. So, when I moved over to her, she didn't say much. We started discussing different topics to cover, and she typically just agreed with anything I chose, or said things like, Yeah, whatever, works for you, whatever you want to do, that's fine. I couldn't really decide if she was easy to work with at the time or more difficult, because I had to make a lot of the decisions. But then, when it came time for the actual work, she was on top of it. We had a week to gather our materials for the first part, but she came in the next day with her information completely put together. It was impressive. I made a comment about it to her, and she seemed upset or maybe embarrassed, and I asked her what was wrong, and she mentioned something about me being sarcastic. I wasn't, though. I was being genuine with her. Over the course of the assignment, we worked better and more thoroughly together, but she still really didn't talk much. I was used to at least some small talk or goofing around, but every time I tried, she would shut me down. I won't get into it, but... I will say that there was an incident at school involving Kayla where she tripped coming into the school, and I went over to help her and ask her if she was okay, and it seemed to surprise her that I did this. I don't know what shifted, but from then on, she began talking and opening up more about herself. I even invited her over to my place to finish up our assignment and to hang out, wanting to get to know her better. Not only was she highly intelligent, but she was also very kind and pretty funny. So as we grew closer, so did Prom. I mentioned going, and she always shied away from the topic. She said that she wasn't planning on going, but I wasn't going to take no for an answer. I may not have known why she was so reclusive, but she really was a fun girl, so I convinced her to go. My mom and I even took her so that we could get dresses together. We had all these plans as we put it all together, and I could tell that she began to light up more and more to this idea. So, cutting to the actual night of the prom. I offered to have my mom pick her up, but she declined, saying that she would have her mom bring her and we would just meet up there. I got ready to go... My friend stopped by my place to take some pictures with me and ended up taking me to the school instead. When we arrived, I immediately started looking around for Kayla, but I didn't see her. I wasn't too worried about it, as it was still early. It was probably about half an hour into the dance, though, and I still hadn't seen her. I forgot to mention that this was also back when cell phones weren't really a big thing that most kids had. Like... They existed, but it was more so adults, if anyone, that had them. My family wasn't broke, but we weren't really wealthy either, and the only person in my family that had one was my dad, and it was more for work. So I didn't really have a way to call and ask where she was. All I could do was just wait for her to show up. I'd been talking with my other friends, dancing, enjoying the festivities, but... Still kept in mind that I hadn't seen Kayla, now several hours into the dance. I was disappointed, but assumed that maybe she had just decided not to go after all. It was getting pretty close to the end, and my friend offered to take me home, but I actually wanted to check on Kayla, so I declined and explained why. She understood, and we parted ways as she left. My mom had planned to pick me up at a certain time, so I decided to use the restroom and take my heels off while I waited for her. While I was washing my hands, I noticed something in my peripheral vision. I was in the school restroom, so I knew it was just someone else using it, and I didn't even bother looking up. That was until I heard a familiar voice say my name. When I looked up, I saw Kayla standing behind me. She wasn't wearing her dress, though, but jeans and a zip-up jacket. She had makeup on, which she normally didn't, but you could tell that she'd been crying because it was running down her face. I was happy to see her at first, but then immediately became concerned when I saw her state. I asked her what was wrong and went to approach her when she stepped back. She then told me that she didn't understand why I was being so nice to her because she didn't deserve it. She said she was supposed to just fade into the background and never be in the way again, and that I had ruined that. I was confused at first with her saying this. I thought maybe that I had done something wrong. She reached into her jacket pocket and pulled out a folded up piece of paper. She held it out and asked me not to read it until I got home, because she didn't want to ruin my night. She thanked me for showing her kindness and then walked out of the restroom. I just stood there confused for a while, and then walked out as well. I kept fidgeting with the paper, wanting to read it, but also trying to follow her wishes. I had no idea what the letter could say. I knew that my mom would be there soon, based on the time, and since I was waiting out front, my curiosity got the best of me, and I decided to read it. I don't have it memorized, nor do I really want to go into the detail of what all it said, but to summarize it, I learned that the girl that I saw her with was her older sister. She was a senior and we were juniors. She did not get along with her sister due to how differently they were treated by her parents. In the letter, she confessed to some pretty dark things that she wanted to do to herself and her sister but then, when I started talking to her, she was conflicted. She was convinced that I was just doing this to embarrass her, or out of guilt or something, to get her to go to prom. So, she was going to include me in those plans, but then she decided that I was a lot more genuine than that, so she fell back into feeling like she was the person in the wrong, and she didn't deserve to be alive, making hints on what she was going to do instead. My heart dropped when I read all this, and I knew that I needed to find her. I didn't want her to be alone in such a dark mindset, so I went back into the school to see if I could find her or if anyone else had seen her. No luck there. Then I saw my mom walking into the front doors. Now, I was really close to my mother, and I told her just about everything, so I told her my concerns and then showed her the letter. She was thinking a lot more clearly than I was, and took me back inside to tell someone of the faculty that was there. We then drove to her home, my mom talked to her mom, and asked if she had seen her, explaining the situation. It hurt my heart to see how little care her mother had for the situation. We just told her that her daughter, who was currently missing, had confessed to wanting to end her life and possibly her sister's. And she just seemed more annoyed and treated it like she was just being dramatic. My mom had more concern than she did, so we just left to continue searching. We did call the cops and report it to them as well, and they also agreed to look around but couldn't do much since her own parents didn't report it. We went home, me completely distraught and thinking that that may have been the last time I'd ever see this new friend that I had made. That night was intensely restless for me. My mom came into my room that morning and told me that we had a message on our machine from Kayla's mom. She said that Kayla was at the hospital and gave us the room number and that was about it. My mom, of course, offered to take me up there and I didn't hesitate. I didn't know what I would see, but I didn't expect to see her sitting in a room drawing in a book with music playing. This wasn't a normal hospital that you would go to when you were sick, at least not physically. However, she looked happy. We got to talk while my mom waited outside, and she explained her thought process more, and I learned a lot more about her and how her brain worked. I had no idea about her home life and how deep her thoughts went. Overall, her parents touted how perfect of a child her older sister was, and neglected Kayla a lot. She always got great grades, but it was never good enough, so she tried acting out instead. But because I saw her for Kayla, and not her academics or her sister, she thought that once again she was the problem. I can't help but think what could have happened if I didn't keep interjecting into her life. This was many years ago, and Kayla and I have become really close. She actually moved in with us after she left the hospital, and finished her last year of high school from home. Her parents seemed to truly not care, which was heartbreaking. I know there wasn't much that may have happened in this story, but the possibility of what could have happened was pretty terrifying, especially in the moment. That prom could have ended with Multiple people dead or seriously injured. So, overall, people, just be kind to one another. We really never know what someone else is going through. I used to live in the upper part of Michigan... Although I've since moved away, I have had a lot of terrifying experiences in my time living there. Most of these occurred at our old two-story house, but a couple occurred outside of that creepy freaking place. For the sake of not having this be a confusing mess, I'll be going in chronological order. Back when my mom turned 18, she ended up buying our old house. Her parents, my grandparents, Told her not to invest in it mainly because it was old and was falling apart. Being a rebellious teen, she chose not to and bought it anyways. She had several creepy paranormal experiences there, some of which are probably BS. So, take this first one and any other story about what my mother has experienced with a grain of salt, as it comes from the mouth of, well, let's just say a psycho. When she first moved in, lights would routinely flicker off. This would be normal if not for the fact that the light switch was the thing turning off the lights. Whenever they went out, you just had to flip the light switch back on to the on position. One day she'd had enough of this, she was laying in her bed reading when it happened again. The lights turned off on her. In response to this, she sat up and loudly spoke to whoever or... Whatever was there with her. Please just stop messing with the lights. It's freaking me out. According to her, the lights stopped sucking after that. We had an old piano in our living room, and yeah, you can probably already see where this is going. It's predictable, but I swear to God that it happened. I was just chilling in the living room home alone when all of a sudden I hear a loud bang on the piano keys. Like all of them going off at once. Now, you could say maybe one of our two small dogs jumped on it, but if you did say that, well, you're wrong. The lid to the piano was closed. It wasn't even scary, just startling. It did happen a few more times over the years, but I never paid attention to it after that. I've shared this story in the comments section of one of your videos, but I figure there's no harm in including it here. When I was like 8, I was home alone and about to go to bed. As I was turning off the TV, I heard this loud, and when I say loud, I mean it sounded like it happened right next to my ear, maniacal cackle. This laugh sounded evil, I don't know how else to describe it, it didn't sound like a neighbor loudly laughing about something, I felt like I was in danger. Instead of running for the hills, I bravely and stupidly looked through the peephole and saw nothing. Then I kind of slowly tiptoed to my room and barely slept. This would be creepy enough on its own, but I invited a friend over when I was 13. We were staying in an upstairs bedroom. To the left of the bedroom was a central hallway with a bunk bed in the corner. I was leaving the room to go grab something. I don't remember what when my friend calls out for me to come back. I do, re-entering the room and asking him what he needed. He then went on to describe the same evil laugh that I heard all those years ago. I told him that I'd heard the same thing a few years ago, and that it was harmless. He got over it, the end. And this is the last story that I have. It's not really paranormal, but it's something that has stuck with me for my whole life and still terrifies me. What was this horrifying thing? A dream. Or rather a nightmare. Yeah, I know. I can hear you rolling your eyes, but I have to this day never had a dream like this again. This dream was separated into three. Not like it happened over the course of a few days, but more like three dreams all wrapped into one. The first two I have no memory of because the third one heavily overshadowed them. In the dream, I was following the perspective of a nine-year-old girl. It felt like a movie. I saw this dream play out from several different perspectives. These perspectives acted more like camera angles in a movie. So, anyways, this girl is running through the woods, calling out to her parents or just anyone that can hear her. I first see from her eyes as she frantically sprints through the trees, watching her stumble and fall then get to her knees and her arms are scraped up, but she gets up and keeps on full sprinting. After a few minutes, the ground suddenly gives way out from beneath her feet. She falls into this very large room with dirt walls. It was completely empty. My perspective switches and I'm now watching her from the side as she walks around this dark room, still calling out to anyone that might hear her. Then, my perspective switches again, looking towards one of the dirt walls as a small humanoid creature burrows out from it. If I were to describe it, think of like the monster from season 1 of Stranger Things, but shorter. It had a lot of the same features as that monster, but this dream happened many years before that show was even announced. My perspective begins switching very rapidly, between this thing screeching at the girl and this, I don't know how to describe it, almost a low, guttural, but also high-pitched wailing sound, and then it lunges like 20 feet across the room and onto her. From there, I won't go into details. Not because I don't remember, but because I don't feel like writing gore content about a 9-year-old girl. To keep it simple, I watched that thing open its face up like a flower and eat all of her skin. I think you'll understand why this dream has stuck with me. I was 10 at the most when I had it, and I still think about it to this day. Hey everyone, I've never really used Reddit before. Normally I just read, but a friend suggested that I write this here, so we'll see how it goes. This happened a few weeks ago and I've not been able to sleep well since. It plays over in my mind. Nothing like this has ever happened to me before. For a bit of a backstory, I suffer from night terrors. I have done so for about six years, since my youngest was born. I think it's night terrors. It's like my eyes are open and I'm aware of my surroundings, but I see things that aren't there, or at least that's what I always thought. Someone has said that this might be sleep paralysis, but I've never been aware that I can't move, if that makes sense. I thought that you couldn't move with sleep paralysis. Maybe one of you will know. I don't know what causes it, and I don't really know how to control it, but I have somewhat gotten used to it. It happens a few times per week. I should probably speak to a sleep specialist about it, Normally, it's a tall man standing behind my door. He doesn't do anything. He just stands there silently and watches. When I come around properly, it's my dressing gowns or coats hanging on the back of the door, causing the shape of a tall man. Every time, my heart beats out of my chest for a few seconds, but mostly I can roll over and go back to sleep. Anyways, on this night, I was asleep... Slash, awake? I don't really know how to describe the state. My bedroom door swung open, and a child walked into my room. Not unusual. I have two uh, eight female and six male. It was dark, being the middle of the night, so I just saw the little figure. I watched the child walk around my bed. I sleep on the side closest to the door to the foot of the opposite side of my king sized bed. Like they were going to climb in on the other side. I said, Hey, are you okay? They didn't reply. Without me feeling them climbing on the bed, a hand grabbed my foot, maybe five feet away from where they were previously standing. I have terribly ticklish feet, and I accidentally kicked out when they did it, and kicked the quote unquote child that I didn't feel climbing into my bed. My heart sank, and I rolled over to turn on the lamp, saying, Oh my gosh, sorry, sorry, sorry. And when I turned back, there was no child. I jumped out of bed, thinking I knocked them off the bed or something and just didn't hear it. No child. I checked the kids' room, and sure enough, there they both are, safe and sound in their beds and fast asleep. I know it sounds mad, but I am physically shaking typing this. I, to this day, do not know what happened, and I've thought about it every night when I go to bed. This happened to me and two of my friends back when we were in high school. It was nearing the end of our school year, which meant not only were our last finals around the corner, but so was prom. We were seniors, and I unfortunately missed going to my junior year prom due to a family emergency, so I was not going to let anyone or anything stop me, or ruin my night. My friends Marissa, Heidi, and I all went and picked out dresses together, and not only coordinated colors with our dates, but with each other. We all met up at my place to get ready, and then our dates met us at a local park to take pictures and hang out shortly before the dance started. While we were there, Heidi pulled out her purse and showed us that her mom had bought her a few shooters. In case anyone doesn't know what that is, it's those mini bottles of liquor. She was supposed to keep them at home, Her mom let her drink occasionally, but only when she was at home and within her sight. She passed one out to all of us and quickly took the shots and got rid of the evidence. Afterwards, we were headed to the school. The prom itself was a blast, with your normal teenage fun times. We danced, took pictures, made my ex mad, all stupid fun. It was probably close to the end of the dance, so... I think it was just a combination of people being worn out and teenage angst that some people started getting a bit more rowdy. Some girls started shouting at Marissa, so we all joined in to try to get her to leave with us so we didn't get into any trouble. Thankfully, she went pretty easily when Heidi bribed her with more shots. and She said that we could all go back to her place and have some more to drink and just hang out, so that was our plan. The three of us girls piled into my car, and the guys said that they would meet us there in their car, after they went home to change. We left the school probably feeling a bit too invincible. Again, we were stupid teenagers doing some pretty stupid stuff. Physically, I felt fine, though. I know I shouldn't have, and I don't condone our actions that night, but we'd only had the one shot before the dance, and nothing since, so... I wasn't even buzzed. We all got in the car with me driving, Marissa in the passenger seat, and Heidi in the back. We expected a nice ride as close friends celebrating our high school years, but that wouldn't be the case. I stopped at a four-way intersection at the same time as a car that was coming from the opposite direction. I flashed my lights at them so that they could go, but they continued to sit there. After flashing my lights again and no movement, I decided to go ahead and turn left. They didn't have a turn signal on, so I assumed that they were going to go straight, which is why I was trying to let them go first. After I turned, I then noticed that the car had turned behind me, too. I was more focused on my friends and driving, however, so I made a sort of a mental note and continued talking and singing. It didn't last long, though as I noticed the car was following pretty closely, so I pointed it out to my friends. Marissa, being the aggressive type, told me to tap on the brakes to get them to back off, and normally I would, but for some reason I kept telling myself that I shouldn't. Now, it was pretty dark at this point, so I couldn't make out much of the car other than the front of it looked dark, maybe black or dark blue, or even gray, maybe. We quickly learned why they may have been tailgating me when the lights kicked on. Again, between it being dark and not really paying much attention, I didn't notice that there were lights on top of the car. In a slight panic, I pulled over and told the girls to just keep quiet. I turned off the music and immediately went to reach for my purse that was in the back passenger side. I had already rolled down my window by the time the cop approached my side of the car and immediately shined his bright flashlight right into my front seat. I turned quickly to look at them and greet them, but they then put the flashlight right in my face. I squinted and put my hands up as a bit of a force of habit when there's something bright in your face, but the cop immediately got aggressive and yelled at me to put my hands down. It startled me but I did as he said and tried to apologize and mentioned the light. He then pointed it towards the back at Heidi and then kind of laughed, claiming that he was just messing with us. I looked over at Marissa really quick and saw the WTF look on her face and quickly looked back at the cop. He asked if we were leaving the ball and laughed again, and I told him that we were actually headed home from our prom. At this point, he was still shining his flashlight around in my car, so I couldn't quite see his face. I could see a slight outline, and I could see his teeth, so I could at least tell that he was smiling. He made some kind of back-in-my-day comment. I don't remember it exactly, but then laughed again. We all just sat there awkwardly, and I really wanted to ask him why he pulled us over, But I didn't have it in me, and since he seemed to be in a good mood, maybe he would just forget or let us go. I wasn't speeding. I used my signal when I turned, and none of us were, like, hanging out the windows or screaming either. As he cleared his throat, he leaned down to have his head closer to my window and asked, Have you ladies been drinking? Okay, now... I know how some people may respond to this, but I was an 18-year-old girl at the time. I was underage, and we definitely had had something to drink. It was literally one shot, each of us, and it was several hours earlier, so I felt fine, but between the nights so far, being pulled over, the adrenaline and anxiety was high, I was beginning to freak out. However, my response was immediately, No. He leaned in closer and his voice became a bit more stern and he said, Don't you lie to me. I'm not stupid. I could smell the alcohol in this car. I began having an internal meltdown, worried that I was going to go to jail and that my parents would find out, but I immediately started pleading. I fessed up. I told him that I had just had one shooter and that it was earlier that night, and that we were going straight home so there wouldn't be any more, and I kept apologizing. Marissa tried telling me to shut up, but once I started, I couldn't turn it off. After a few minutes of my pathetic pleas, the cop stopped me and told me that, while he appreciated me telling the truth, he was going to have to arrest all of us and have the car towed. Heidi then began begging with me to let us go with the tickets, and Marissa was more seeming to argue with us. Then, he did that ear-piercing whistle, making us all stop and look back at him. He then leaned down, putting his arms on my window, and said, I would hate to ruin your girls' nights, so maybe we can work something out. I was expecting him to just give me a ticket, which still would have sucked, but... At least, I was much more willing to tell my parents about that. However, he had something else in mind. He mentioned an empty building with a pretty empty area. It was where an old mall had closed, and he asked us if we would follow him there and just have some fun for a bit. Forget the ticket or going to jail. I was even more terrified at this point. Was this cop really suggesting what I thought he was suggesting? I was frozen at this point, not knowing how to react. What would happen if I told him no? Would he then arrest me? But, of course, Marissa being her normal, aggressive self took over. She leaned down pretty far to look at this guy and pretty much challenged him and started going off. Some of the berating from her included. You know we're minors, right? We just told you we were coming from prom. I'm recording this, so why don't you explain in detail what exactly you were wanting us to do? Why did you even pull us over? Don't you have to give us a breath test before you can do anything? Ash, don't get out of the car. Don't do anything unless he makes you take a test. You know, what's your name anyways? I want your name and badge number. The cop got pretty quiet at that point, and then tried laughing again and said that we were pretty smart girls. He tried to play it off about testing us or something, and then said that we were free to go, but to just be careful, and to go straight home. He never told us his name nor his badge number. We waited for him to get back into his car, and when he didn't drive off, I decided to go. Part of me was worried that he might follow, but I just wanted to get home at this point. The guys obviously beat us to Heidi's, and we told them what happened. They thought that it was really suspicious too, but other than them, we never told anyone about this interaction. I myself was too worried my parents would be mad at me or something. So, fast forward a few months after we graduated... There was something on the news about someone impersonating a cop, and when they pulled over women, they would make suggestive comments and threaten them with erroneous charges unless they agreed to his demands. One lady dared to challenge him, much like Marissa did, but he actually grabbed her by the arm, leaving marks, and tried to open her door. They said that she was able to drive away, and she immediately went to a police station to report it. But when she explained everything, the officer she talked to wasn't convinced that it was a real officer. Then, they started getting more reports, and they all lined up. Someone also was able to see the vehicle, and it was all dark with no markings. Like, it was an unmarked cop car. But the problem is that the state that I live in, those are prohibited, which led them to believe even more that it wasn't real. Unfortunately, he must have realized that they were on to him, because the reports stopped and they never caught the guy. I told Marissa and Heidi about this, and Marissa was confident that it was the same guy. The scheme, the location, it all matched with what we experienced, so I'm also pretty confident it was the same person. The situation alone freaked me out, but when I saw that... I was even more terrified that this was real. This happened to many women, but then I wondered how many more it happened to that didn't report it, and even worse, how many poor women fell for it and followed through. I'm an adult now and much smarter, so when I do have an interaction with someone of law enforcement, I make sure to note as many details as possible and to get their name. You just never can be too careful, no matter who the person may appear to be. Some context. When I was in my early teens, I believe I was followed by the spirit of a young girl. I believe she inhabited one of my porcelain dolls that my grandmother had given me. Often I would see her in dreams or feel her presence. I can't explain it, but I feel like she might have been the ghost in this story. My parents used to live in a big three-story house that had an old built-in intercom. There were speakers in every room of the house, minus the bathrooms, and even though it was old, we still liked playing around with it every now and then. You would have to have the speaker turned on and turn the volume all the way up, usually, to even hear anything clearly. You also had to physically push a button to speak into it. Once in a while, the intercom would come on by itself and play something on the radio. I found this spooky, but my mom brushed it off as the past owner having set an alarm via the intercom so that the radio would come on at certain times. We didn't know how to reprogram it hard as my stepdad tried, and my parents were tired of often getting woken up at 3am by the radio randomly coming on through the intercom in their room. So, we decided to just not use it anymore, and we turned all the intercoms off, with the volume all the way down just as an extra measure. One night, I was chatting online with my friends on the computer, and I hadn't noticed the time was around 3am. Suddenly, The intercom came on in my room at full blast. It was horribly loud static coming through. I jumped up to shut it off, but as I reached for the volume dial, I saw that it was already at zero and off. I didn't know how to make the noise stop. Then, through the static, I faintly heard what sounded like someone breathing and then the voice of a little girl. She said, "'When will you come to your senses?' and then, just as fast as it had come on, the intercom shut off. Silence. I was frozen with fear. Being a teen, I jumped back on the computer to tell my friend what had just happened, and they said, "'Get out of that house.' I had to go tell my parents. The hallway was pitch black, and I had to go all the way down a big staircase in the dark to their room. I held my breath and flung my door open, sprinting down the stairs." crying from how scared I was I banged loudly on my parents door and I heard my mom yelp she opened the door and I ran in to tell them what had happened they were more upset that I woke them up my mom told me it was probably just some commercial on the radio or something I mentioned that my intercom had been turned off with the volume down to zero and also what kind of commercial would say something like that Seeing as how it was so late, she didn't feel like trying to rationalize it. I was sent back up to bed, and if you guessed that I didn't sleep that night, well, you would be correct. So, I'll start this off by saying that when this happened, I was a senior in high school and was just shy of turning 18. It was prom night, the night that everyone had been waiting for from the first day that the plans for the night came to be. I had a sparkly dress, one that I thought was the most gorgeous dress that I had ever seen. All my guy friends were in full suits, and we were all feeling like we were on top of the world. I mean, why wouldn't we? This was the peak of our last year of high school, we were all dressed like we were upper class, all while living in pretty much the middle of nowhere in the Midwest. The night was young, the music was loud, and everyone was having a blast. The school had gone all out, transforming the gym into a fairy tale ballroom, which was actually the theme that our class had agreed on. Everything was pastel pink and blue, there were balloons, the tables were all decorated... The entire room was like this bubble of pure bliss and excitement. And through all of this, we were all completely unaware of what was brewing outside. The weather forecast had mentioned that there could be some nighttime storms, but this was the Midwest. Thunderstorms in the spring are as common as a trip to McDonald's. It happens more or less once a week. No one really thought much of it, least of all me especially while I was getting lost in the moment with my girlfriend. We were all enjoying the night, having a lovely time, when the power kind of flickered. It wasn't anything major, just a bit of a dim and then back up. A couple of girls jokingly screamed to add to the drama of the moment, and we all laughed, until the lights dimmed again. The music stuttered, and then all the lights just completely shut off before the emergency lighting kicked back on. The entire room was filled with this sickly greenish hue as we all just kind of looked around confused, like, are we really going to lose power on prom night? The room slowly did grow quieter as we waited for things to come back, but that silence was broken by that disgustingly loud, piercing wail of the tornado sirens. That first blast of sound was enough to make me feel like my heart was going to stop. It's not that I hadn't heard them before. They were just always so loud and unanticipated. Our vice principal, Ms. Haig, came over the intercom. Her voice was normally stern and kind of aggressive, but when she came over the speaker, her voice actually sounded slightly shaken. She told everyone to remain calm and to proceed down the stairs and into the south hallway, which was basically the band and drama hall. We all looked at each other, and after a few nervous laughs, we realized that this was pretty serious. That change in atmosphere was jarring. From a night of celebration, we were suddenly plunged into a night of uncertainty and dread. We all made our way down the stairs and into the band hall, The teachers that were helping with the night were guiding us down and into the specific places down in the shelter. We all huddled together, an uneasy silence settling over the group. The air was heavy, filled with a palpable fear of what was happening. I didn't realize how freaked out I was until my girlfriend asked if I was okay and mentioned how tightly I was squeezing her hand. This was supposed to be a night of fun... A night of us all just letting loose and spending quality time with those that we'd come to know, but there we were, wondering if this night could be our last. As the storm raged on, you could honestly feel the building shake. You could hear the deafening roar of the wind. Time seemed to slow down and minutes stretched into what felt like hours. And there were moments when the whole building felt like it shuddered with this intense pressure. ...followed by several moments of quiet. We all held our breaths, praying, holding each other, and just waiting. After a bit, the all-clear did come over the intercom, but that dreadful feeling definitely stuck around. Going back up and emerging from the school, it felt like stepping onto a movie set from some post-apocalyptic film. The once familiar parking lot was unrecognizable, strewn with debris... Cars flipped, in what could only be described as a small taste of what happened throughout our town. Houses were torn apart, trees were uprooted, power lines were downed, and people's lives completely destroyed. Miraculously, there were no casualties. Just a town full of shaken and distressed people, and a high school full of teenagers trying to piece together how this night that was supposed to be a moment of youthful innocence could turn into the most terrifying night of our lives. All of this was a harsh reminder of how things can quickly take a sharp turn, how life can take that sudden turn when you least expect it. Even now, years later, I can't really think about that night without getting that anxious feeling that I felt in those hallways. It was meant to be a night of celebration, joy, one last hurrah with everyone before we graduated and... Yet it was a night of devastation and stark reality. I'll never forget that moment when my mom pulled up to the school and saw me, and how she started bawling when she wrapped me in a tight hug. We were one of the lucky ones in that our house was mostly untouched. There was minor damage to the roof shingles, and we lost half of a tree in our backyard. But most weren't so fortunate. Some lost cars, some whole houses... We all came together as a community offering hospitality to those that lost their homes and hoping to clean up and rebuild as quickly as we could. It may sound dramatic to some, but that night honestly felt like a clear line had been drawn, a line between life before and life in our town after. After all was said and done, we did still have a graduation ceremony, And We all still had to apply to our colleges, and we still had to finish out our finals. Yet, it all seemed so trivial compared to what we had gone through. It's been years since that night, and our town has completely regrown and rebuilt. Thankfully, we haven't had another tornado rip through our town like that. Plenty of harsh storms and several tornado watches, but nothing like that night. I'll finish this out by mentioning that the only reason I thought about typing this story up is that my daughter is now in her senior year, and her prom is coming up. Even worse, the class actually decided on fairy tale Ballroom as the theme, so that hit a bit close to home for me. Now, odds are, it'll be a night like any other, and it will go off without issues. But part of me is still a bit paranoid that something could happen. Hey Raven, I listen to your stories all day while I'm at work, between customers. I'm a cashier at Lowe's, and this happened to me yesterday. I live in Florida, and I work in the outside lawn and garden portion of Lowe's so I have to wear layers that I take off as the day warms up. Well, yesterday, as I was taking off the warm outer layer of pants that I had on over my regular pants, I felt and heard someone blow on my lower back. I turned around very quickly thinking one of my coworkers had snuck up behind me and were messing with me, but no one was there. I was completely alone. Needless to say, it freaked me out and I can't stop thinking about it. I'm at work again today wondering what that was, and I really don't want to be alone out here anymore. It was just so creepy. This happened back whenever I was 16 years old, home alone on a typical summer weekday, My parents had left for work hours ago, and my siblings were all out at their friends' houses, leaving me the master of my domain. I was enjoying the silence, really. It wasn't common that I would be home alone without my younger brother and sister there, and the house being completely empty was a bit of a novel experience for me. I was sprawled out on the couch, just mindlessly watching Mari, or whatever else was playing, You know, the mid-morning, brain-dead, dramatic BS that played on over-the-air television. As I was lying there, I started hearing... something. It was like a faint murmur that was mostly masked by the chatter of the television. It was like a quiet conversation was happening in another room or something. I shrugged it off, thinking that it was possible background noise in the show or... Maybe a neighbor was having an argument or something, and it was just barely audible from my location. As I was sitting there, ignoring the background sounds and absorbing the paternity test results on the TV, I started to hear what sounded like a slight knocking. It was soft, but absolutely distinct. It sounded like someone was tapping their fingers against the hot water heater down in the basement in a slow but intentional rhythm. I stood up and went over to the steps to see if maybe my brother actually hadn't left, but when I shouted his name down the stairs, there was no response. And then the tapping stopped. I thought about going down to check, but again just assumed it was something to do with the pipes, and that my timing was just impeccable. About an hour later, I decided that I wanted to go ahead and make myself something for lunch. So I got up to walk over to the kitchen and I opened the cabinet. The moment I opened the cabinet, though, I heard what was pretty clearly someone walking on the hardwood floor. I shut the cabinet and looked behind me to see if there was anyone there, but of course, there was nothing. The house was as empty as it had been the whole morning, and I was starting to think that I was losing my mind. I went back to making my sandwich, got all the stuff from the fridge and went to put it together, when I heard more footsteps. I turned and looked everywhere, again thinking that there had to be someone else there. I ran upstairs to check my parents' rooms, as well as the other rooms up there to see if there was anyone else home. Nothing. No one. And that's where things went from, oh, that's kind of creepy, to, hell no. And it did so pretty damned fast. When I came back down from checking the bedrooms, the door to the basement was open. I don't mean, like, slightly cracked. I mean, like, wide open. Like, in Paranormal Activity, when the one wife went psycho and they found the door open before finding her all messed up in the basement. Yeah, that kind of open. Of course, this was around the time of the first movie coming out, so... My mind did kind of sway to demonic hauntings, but I was also a dumb kid and was definitely curious. And because I was so curious, I decided to go downstairs and see if there was someone down there. What I was going to do if there was actually somebody down there, I don't know, but I was determined to do something. As soon as my foot hit the bottom step, I felt it. The air was colder the ambience creepier. I swear that the lights even flickered so as to make me really lose myself. I told myself that I was just being silly and that there was nothing there. Then, the laundry room door, where the hot water heater was, slowly creaked open, like I visibly watched it open on its own, and of course it made that old house creak noise. At that point... I was ready to run back up the stairs regardless, but this intention was made an absolute reality when I heard what sounded like a slight giggling sound coming from the laundry room. I turned to go, and as soon as I did, the TV that we had down there, an old TV that was basically relegated to just collecting dust because none of us ever used it, clicked on. It was just static, obviously. But it turning on was more than enough for me to run up the stairs, out the front door, and down the street before I realized that I hadn't even grabbed my shoes, nor my keys. At this point, I felt, to put it lightly, incredibly silly. I was standing outside the house, barefoot, no way of getting back in since the door was now locked, and several hours out from my parents getting home. I just decided to walk over to a friend's house and ask them if I could hang out, and I called my mom to tell her that I locked myself out, so I was going to be there for the rest of the day. That's pretty much the long short of it. I got incredibly freaked out by terrifying noises and weird things that happened, and then ran out of the house and got to spend the afternoon at my friend's house. When I got home, there was nothing out of the ordinary. The house looked fine, minus the sandwich just sitting on the counter half-constructed, which my mom did get on to me for. I told her that I had gone outside to check the mail, and that I accidentally locked myself out. Mostly because she would have told me that I was just imagining things if I told her about the TV and the noises. Oddly enough, this was the start and end of it. It wasn't the last time I was home alone during that summer, but... I never heard any noises or anything like that again. I did avoid the basement like the plague after this, though, and even now, when I go to visit my parents, I will not go down there. My Aunt Janie recounted this dream. A strange woman came to the door, the screen door wasn't latched, so my aunt quickly latched the screen door. The strange woman spoke not a word, but she wanted entry, so she pulled and pulled on the screen door until she gained entry. The strange woman came inside and took my grandmother by the hand outside into the darkness. Aunt Janie followed in an attempt to save my grandmother from this strange woman. The woman turned around and paralyzed Aunt Janie with her hideous and luminous eyes then continued into the darkness with my grandmother my grandmother was battling cancer and no panacea or treatment was helping to extend my grandmother's life and the stream was a foreshadowing of my grandmother's imminent death hey y'all I wanted to share something that me and a few friends experienced in high school. I think I was a bit of a weirdo in school, but I wasn't alone. I had plenty of friends that accepted my weirdness and were probably just as equally goofballs. We were the ones using paper clips and safety pins as earrings, drawing creepy stuff, and other probably edgy things. I cringe at the thought of my teenage years now. (laughs) Anyways, while we may have been odd, we still wanted to enjoy the events that our school had, such as fundraisers, parades, and, yes, even prom. A couple of my friends and I all agreed to go to prom together, and one of my friends even tried to hook me up with this girl that I'd been interested in. He'd asked her if she was available, well, actually, he told her that I was asking, and she said yes, so our first date would be prom, I guess. I actually gave a little more care as to how I looked and even got a matching tie for her corsage. I picked her up from her place and we met our friends at the community center where they were having the dance. My date was stunning, and it was hard to believe that she was with me. She said that I looked good, and even some of the teachers that were there told me that I cleaned up well, and joked that they wished they saw me more like this. I wasn't the best student, but I wasn't really a troublemaker either. We were all having a great night, between dancing, flirting, eating some of the food, and just BSing with each other. At one point, while we were talking, I noticed a guy that seemed kind of out of place... Even the teachers and adults were dressed nicely, and this guy was just in jeans and a suit jacket. I watched as he walked along the wall, looking around, almost like he was trying to find somebody. But it was the way that he held himself and looked around that had me on edge. There was an eerie intensity to his gaze at everyone that made me feel like he had no good intentions. Now, while he looked very off-putting, No one else was looking at him or watching him, so I was starting to think that maybe it was just me. I tried to brush it off as just being prom jitters and thinking maybe I was just on edge due to the circumstances. So, at the time, I just let it go. I continued dancing and talking with my friends, and at one point, we found a table and about six of us were sitting at it. My date had her legs on my lap, complaining that they were hurting as she'd been wearing heels. While talking, I spotted the suit jacket guy again, and also noticed that he was walking towards us. I looked back at my friends, trying to find a time to ask if they recognized him, but he stood next to my date's chair and greeted us before I had the chance. He asked us if we were enjoying ourselves, and we all said yeah. He brought up a few things like the music and one of the drink stations, and we conversed for a few. As the conversation died down, the guy then asked us what we were going to be doing after the dance, which I thought was kind of an odd question. One of my friends mentioned that we'd probably just go chill somewhere, and then the guy asked us if we wanted to go with him to go smoke. Now, I know everyone at the table, including myself, did, but it was really weird to have an adult offer this to us. We all kind of side eyed one another, and I spoke up first and said, Nah, we're good. Thanks, though. And no one else said anything. He then pushed it, again, offering. He said it wasn't a setup or anything, and specifically pointed at me and said, I know you like grass, boy. Don't lie. And started laughing. This accusation did not make me feel more comfortable about him either. In fact, the way that he looked at me and pointed at me, it made me think like it was more about intimidation, like he had something on me. So without looking away from him or smiling like I did the first time, I just said, No one's lying, man. We're just not interested. I was hoping that he might get the hint, and I wanted him to leave us alone. He didn't. He then focused on my date. He complimented her on her looks, and she seemed a little standoffish, but was being polite to the guy. Until he started making more explicit comments to my date and the other girls. She'd put her legs down and seemed to push her back more towards me, as if she was nervous that this guy was close to her. Nobody was saying anything. Being that I was already suspicious of this dude... I was now annoyed that he was not getting the hint. So, I stood up, called him a few names, and told him to leave. I also very loudly made a comment about him hitting on teens and stood there, hoping he would finally get the hint, or at least maybe another adult would come over. The guy again laughed as he stood up and said that, if we changed our minds, we could meet him at a certain park. I watched as he walked away, but also noticed our gym teacher starting to walk over to us. He asked us who that guy was, and I basically asked him the same thing. I thought he was another staff member, or part of the faculty chaperoning the dance, since he was obviously an adult. The gym teacher then hollered for the creep and started walking toward him, and he took off. Our gym teacher then ran after him too, and we were left wondering who that guy was. We all tried to loosen up again, hoping that wouldn't completely sour our night, but we then had another teacher approach us saying that we needed to follow them, because they had more questions about what had just happened. After we explained it all to them, they told us that they were handling it, and to go back to the dance and enjoy our time. Thankfully, we were able to have a good rest of the night, But when we separated afterwards, I was still left wondering about this guy. Who was he? How did he end up at the prom without any of the other teachers or other students feeling like he didn't belong? I spotted him pretty quickly, and I knew that something wasn't right. I was kicking myself for not reporting him sooner, but I didn't know all the people that worked for the school or the district, so I just assumed I was being paranoid. That was, until the following week when I was called into the principal's office, where I saw one of my other friends from that night, and a police officer. The principal said the officer wanted to know more about the incident, and asked for a description of the man. After explaining all this, the officer showed us a picture of a guy. It was an obvious mugshot, and it was the same person. They thanked us for our explanation and sent us off back to class. That day, my mom picked me up from school and asked us about the cop at the school and what all he said. I told her about the incident at prom, and so she was already aware, but she said that she had also gotten an email that the school sent out to everyone about this guy. It mentioned that they had a suspicious and unidentified person in the area that was also reported by students and that they reacted quickly by calling the authorities. Later that night, a cop had actually stopped behind a car that was parked near our school with all their lights off and questioned them. Our gym teacher saw the guy leaving in a car and gave them the details as well. The car and the guy matched the description, so they detained him. They sent the email letting them know that he was still in custody after being identified by witnesses and that if they had any other questions, they could call the school, or the officer that was handling the case. It was a relief to know that this guy wasn't out walking around, but also creeped me out just that much more, knowing that he was still nearby. Like, he was waiting. I wanted to include this, but of course, I can't confirm the validity of it, as it was all from word of mouth. One of my friends said that their parents called the officer, and they told them that they searched his car and found rope, duct tape, and a knife, as well as condoms and some weed. The weed at least matches up to the story that he was feeding us that night, but if that information was true, then what the hell was he planning? It sends shivers down my spine thinking what could have happened if any of us had gone with him that night, for the most part, it was a fantastic night, but it was also pretty memorable for us. From then on, I promised myself that if anything ever seemed off, especially when it comes to another person like that, I would tell someone immediately. I'm glad that no one went with him that night, but it's always in the back of my mind of what could have happened. Hello, Raven. It's Lily again. I don't think I will need much explaining, but I will add a little bit of backstory at the beginning. My mom is a realtor. My stepdad and her bought an office downtown in a town in Ohio. I'm not going to be specific what town, though. That office was getting a little small, so the two of them bought one close to the old one that was once two houses, but the houses were put together. I can get to and from the office from my house and upstairs in our office. We have family friends living in apartments. One of the two who has witnessed the ghost or ghosts told me this. I will call her B for the sake of the story. B used to have a camera in the upstairs hallway, where the three apartments in the building is. It's since been taken down. She had the camera because of a weird woman, who that I'll call M who used to live in one of the other apartments who has since moved out, which will be mentioned later. Then there's the other friend. I'll call them D for this story. Now, for the story. B had showed me some video footage from that camera in the hallway to show me some ghost activity. When it played through, there was a ghost orb that passed by the camera, and there was a lot of whispering. B also had told me that she had heard both men and women whispering in this office apartments The bigger story that she told me is that the main ghost sometimes screams and slams doors. There was one time that it even brought D out of his apartment with a gun, thinking that someone had broken in. It normally does this at night. I haven't been there enough to have those happen to me, but I have definitely felt a presence around. B had told me that the ghost uses the voice of a man, but has the presence of a very mad woman, which is similar to what I felt, as I sometimes feel a bit alarmed, which I feel around people who are mad. B had also told me that it had teased her cat named Miko. It had also touched her thigh and said meow when she was at the front door of her apartment. She's also said that it must have left with M because she said she got nothing from a Ouija board and there hasn't been any activity in a while. It also must have left at least a little bit of its energy here, if it hasn't left with them, because I still feel a bit alarmed sometimes. Anyways, that's my ghost story, and I hope that you and the other listeners enjoy my story. This story may be short, but it's something that has been stuck in my memory as my only ghost sighting, as I'm a very non-paranormal person, and have never put myself in a situation to be looking out for ghosts. The story took place when I was younger, around 8-10, to 10, so I would take it as a grain of salt, except it felt real, and I can't seem to explain it. Neither then nor now. I was lying down on the bed, just chilling in the sun, when by the curtain I saw a face. Just a face. It was made out of shadows, though. For example, when objects make a shadow against the wall. However, this face was intricate. It had glasses and a mustache, and it seemed to be looking at me. Though I was young... I did think to look around my room as to what might have been making the shadow. Except, there were not many objects that I could see that would have been able to create such features to a face. And, from what I knew from my science lessons, I felt as if the sunlight could not let such shadows actually be made. My young brain was very confused, so I did the next best thing which was to hide under my covers and forget about it until I fell asleep. It's been over a decade, and I have no other paranormal experiences in my home. I presume that it could have just been my imagination, yet it felt so real, and I don't think my mind could imagine such a face, so it's hard to shake it off as just a coincidence. Hey there, friends. That was today's episode of the As the Raven Dreams podcast, and I really hope that you all enjoyed this collection of scary stories. If you did, please do consider checking out my YouTube channel, where I do these same stories, but a little bit earlier than I do them here on the podcast form, and also in slightly different collections. If you really enjoy the podcast, please do consider giving it a rating of any sort if the platform you're listening on has ratings. Any honest rating is appreciated by me, be it 5-star, 1-star, however you want to do it. Just know that rating the podcast helps tremendously. And, if you would like to support further, I do have a Patreon and channel memberships if you would like to do things on the YouTube side, where for as little as a dollar a month, you get early access to my content. Never ever expected, but always appreciated. That said, friends... I hope that I do see you on the next episode of this podcast. And of course, until then, sleep well.